the poly eyes effect is you can't wait to eat your pizza and you burn your mouth. And clockwise. Yeah. Clockwise. Yeah, Wilbert forgot last week how to do it. <laughs> That's why he's not here. We fired him. <laughs> You're out. You're, you You're can't out. Remember you can't remember clockwise. He lost his testing mobile. Uh, That's right. His testing privileges, ability. Privileges. He's out. He's out. I was hoping that he would write a, bu- a tell-all book about his life here at the dispatch and that <laughs> I could be the villain. There you go. But apparently not. This yahoo kept on. That's Hold right. me down, man. That's right. I could have been somebody if it hadn't been for Meisner. <laughs> Testing one, two, three on my mic. Testing one, two, three on my mic. Testing one, two, three on my mic. I'm Todd Meisner. I'm Brian Achenbach. I'm Brett Roseman. (laughs) There he is. He's already introduced himself. Boom. Uh, Former Dispatch Argus intern, twice, and uh, all-around good guy, Hawkeye, and uh, he's crossed over into the world of uh, Wisconsin. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it is now a trader on the inside. Higher education. That's right, higher education. Oh, man. Brett is currently the photojournalist for the University of Wisconsin at insert hyphen stout uh, in Wisconsin, in Stout, Wisconsin, which is no, where? It is not in Stout, Wisconsin. Where is it? University of Wisconsin Stout. Right. Is... Uh, one of only two schools in the system not named for the city it's in. Oh, why is it called Stout? Because it was founded as a private institution in 1891 by James Huff Stout. Oh. oh, I thought it was just originally a beer. Yeah, was it named? It wasn't named for the beer. It is not, but we do have a Stout Stout beer now. Ooh. We didn't even rehearse that. There's a Volca brewery uh, run by a alumni, and. Uh, we started having beers with the Chancellor things once a month last fall, and they brewed a special 1891 is the name of it, Stout. Mm. So we call mm. it the Stout Stout. Welcome to Beer Talk with <laughs> Todd Meisner, Brian Ackenbuck, and Brett Roseman. Hey, uh, so uh, for those of those who listen to the podcast, we I think we've talked about the debacle, which was the Sun-Times uh, firing of all of their photographers. You were one of those. How many were there? I remember there was a number. It was the Sun-Times... 28 on that day. 28 on that day. So 28 photographers were all let go on the same day, unceremoniously, by the Sun-Times. And it caused a major ripple through the world of photojournalism. Uh, A lot of people, including me, wrote about it, uh, had some opinions about it. We wrote a story about you here in the paper uh, because you're a local kid. You're from Davenport. You went to Davenport Central? Yes. Davenport Central. And... um, and so, well, first of all, how did you, how, how'd that day go? <laughs> well, uh, I'm a, my story's a little bit different. I didn't really experience it like everybody else did. I missed the meeting. <laughs> so, <laughs> I, I think you recall, I found out probably through you, who found out through Twitter. Oops. And uh, so my claim to fame is when CNN did the... Uh, the uh, web exclusive story about us. My quote was, "I found out through Twitter that I was part of the bloodbath." Um, we'd got a email the night before, right at the end of business day, five o'clock. I was out uh, shooting a high school playoff baseball game, and I saw the email saying mandatory staff meeting tomorrow morning, nine a.m. and downtown. I worked out in a suburban office. And you had the day off, though, right? Yeah, I mean, that day was your day off. No, I wasn't. Um, so I think it was a Thursday. So I was, uh, I saw the email and um, I already had a, a freelance assignment scheduled the next morning that I, you know, didn't want to get out of or I said I couldn't get out of. So I, I sent an email back saying I got a previously scheduled appointment um, that I can't get out of. You know, <laughs> how important is this meeting? Can I miss it? <laughs> Oops. And I got a reply back saying, we'll fill you in. Well, and so there you go. Next morning I got up. Um, it was a financial assignment for USA Today. Um, I used to do a majority of all their assignments in Chicago um, during my 10 years there. 
And so I do, you know, I do those in the morning, and I go do my regular staff job at night. So I'm out to shop my assignment, and um, it was, I don't know, I, at some point my, I wasn't getting a signal on my phone, but I thought, well, I'm in this hospital setting, I'm like, it's full of concrete walls, I just can't get a signal. And it was, <laughs> my double, when I think about it now, I realized, well, it wasn't like I couldn't get a signal, it's they shut my phone off. Oh. I was trying to check my messages and st- email right. and stuff when I was at that assignment. And, um, but yeah, so I actually missed the meeting. Um, my assignment was pretty early in the morning, it was probably 8 a.m. And, and so by, you know, probably getting done 9, 9.30. And um, that's when you texted me, I think, or you called me. Texted I think me. I called you. Or no, I texted you. I think you, you texted me. And then you called me back. Yeah. I was out in like West Suburban Maywood or somewhere at the, at the hospital out there. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was just going to drive down, you know, to the south side so I could be ready for my shift to start and be somewhat in the or my territory since I covered south side and south suburbs. So I was going to drive maybe up to the Midway Airport hotel complex and just, you know, chill in their lobby, use their Wi-Fi, edit and transmit my assignment. And um, driving down Harlem and get, I think the phone call from Utah, and it was probably about 9.30. And you're like, what the hell is going on in the newsroom? And I'm like, I don't know. I've <laughs> missed a meeting. And you, I think you said something about like, um, Twitter had exploded that, that this yeah, had happened. I, I and then WGN started talking about it on the radio. I think you, when I said, I don't know, you know, I, I missed, a, missed a meeting. Um, I think you said something, the first thing you said was probably like, uh, well, I'm sorry to say, I think you lost your job. And, and I'm like, what? Come again? And I'm like, and I was like, Okay, me? And then you're like, no, everybody. And I was like, shit. <laughs> yeah, it was a dark day for photojournalism. I mean, it, 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 uh, first of all, I, <laughs> that I wasn't expecting to happen to be the, the to know before you knew. Um, <laughs> well, but, and remember after that, my phone started exploding. I was starting, because by now it's, it was, you know, New York Times website, like in 10 minutes after it happened. And, yep. I think a lot of part was, like you said, Rob Hart was tweeting from the meeting. Yeah. And so that's where they kind of spread the word real quick. But right after I got the phone with you, my phone started, I started getting calls from all over the country of friends of mine who heard about it. USA Today editor's calling me. Yeah. And he's like, you know. Did you shoot our assignment he, first before you yeah. got fired? <laughs> <laughs> they you got the assignment in, right? Yeah. <laughs> exactly. So at least I got paid by somebody that day. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, but yeah, it was crazy. So it's, it's a little bit like... Um, a death in the family. I mean, because you, I mean, you, you're running along. I mean, there was no indication that this was coming. Can I assume that that to be correct? Yeah. I mean, or do you look back now and you say that we should have seen the writing on the wall? I mean, I think anybody in this business realizes Mm -hmm. that it can happen anytime to anybody nowadays. Yeah. Um, I mean, we've been through many, many rounds of layoffs in the, you know, from like 2007 on, um, so, I mean, I, I would say it's not, it wasn't unexpected, but it was certainly a shock because nobody, I don't think anybody really thought they would eliminate the whole, uh, photo staff right. all at once. So the recovery period, so did, what was your recovery period like? You freelanced and then you... You just completely packed up and, and, and left town to completely new surroundings and greener pastures, I would assume. Yeah, I guess. Um, yeah, I stuck around for about a year. Um, you know, in the article you guys wrote about me at the time, you know, I, I felt pretty good about myself, you know, where I was at. And, you, know, big, you know, I already, it really helped me, I think, that I already had been doing freelance and had been, you know, had a, you know, not a fairly good roster of clients. Um, so I, I feel the transition was easier for me. And I, I had some equipment, too. So um, a lot of photographers who, you know, they were just doing their sometimes job and that's it. They're all of a sudden got no income. They need to find it. A lot of them don't have equipment already or a lot of them haven't already been continuously doing work for clients. So for me, it was fairly, fairly easy transition. But, I mean... 
I was still very worried because, I mean, you know, you don't know every day if you're going to have work or income. And, um, and again, and the difficult part about me was my clientele that I've had over the years was primarily editorial. Um, and so, again, I mean, it's hard to survive on editorial alone. And, um, but, again, I, I stuck around for the – you know, I was like I – I, I knew I wasn't going to leave Chicago immediately – you know, I wasn't that desperate. You know, I have I had money in reserves to kind of float me through through the slower periods. But uh, and almost immediately, like you know, it's, it's a very you know, Fellow Journalism is a very supportive community, very close knit. And I mean, you know, it's competitive, but everybody's generally fairly good to everybody. Do and so, I mean, I had uh, you know friends and previous clients call me right away and sh- pushing work my way because. They're trying to help out the best they can. So, like, even, like, the next day I got a call from uh, a picture of the Washington Post who I knew who he'd previously been at USA Today. Um, but he started giving me work right away, and, and so it was good. But uh, I ended up staying for about a year. Did the um, – what advice would you give someone who, you know, a mass, a mass layoff like that is rare – I, I mean, I don't know, maybe not so much anymore, um, but usually it's it's a trickle down where somebody retires, we're not, we're going to replace you. I mean, that's what's happened here. I mean, when I started here, there were six of us, seven of us, six or seven of us, and then, you know, there are four of us now. So as the industry has shrunk, we've not laid anybody off, but we've not necessarily replaced anybody. I mean, we replaced Paul and Todd because we had to keep to a number of four um, because I just can't imagine us going below four. Um, And there's not enough of a freelance market in this town to say, okay, we're just going to have a photo editor and he's going to freelance send out assignments to his group of freelancers. There's just not enough working, talented photojournalists wandering around the quad cities like there is in Chicago. But what advice would you give someone who might find themselves in this situation uh, in the future? (laughs) (laughs) Money tucked away. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Uh, I mean, just be prepared, you know, for, for it it can happen. I mean, um, you know, really do, do make your contacts, um, you know, build your, network of connections and um you know yeah i mean do some work on the side so that way i was to say when it happens <laughs> doesn't mean it's gonna right. if it happens you you know you, you will be able to fairly quickly get right back on your feet and kind of keep things going um but again i mean it's gonna be difficult in a place that's not a major metropolitan area yeah um so i mean i mean i don't know i mean You've you've had you had a uh, Todd and um, Paul Paul both recently transitioned away from the paper to their own kind of independent yeah and I, yeah and I think that they that the market here we're on the verge I think of being too saturated I mean if you were going to leave the paper now you would have to differentiate yourself f- from those guys or partner with them to offer clients uh, an additional service. Um, uh, you know, unfortunately, the, the and and Todd kind of talks about it off the record because he's trying to be polite. But I think a lot of um, there are a lot of people who get into quote wedding photography because they think it's easy and they price themselves too low and they make themselves attractive to budget strapped brides and grooms. And you get what you pay for. And so there are plenty of people of those like that in this market. I mean, there just are. Um, you know, I, I'm not... Uh, I'm not probably not a lot in this market who have a full journalism background. Right. And that's and I, really kind of what's getting more popular and wanted by brides and grooms now. Right. I think that, I think that there's a for lack of a better term, there's a Pinterest effect that allows um, budget strap brides to um, to see, oh, I want, this is kind of what I want. And then, you know, but I don't really want to spend a lot. And I think that the, the value of photography is 
you don't know what you're, maybe you don't know what you want. Maybe you look on Pinterest and this is what I want. And then this is what I want to spend. And then they end up regretting it because they've, they've hired the budget photographer and instead of getting less flowers or less expensive, something else and spending now, for instance, my own wedding, I, we, we all but eloped all the 20 years ago. And so, um, it would have been 28 years ago. So that we all but eloped so that we ended up getting married in a, in a very small ceremony in the Danforth chapel, um, and uh, Scott Norris, who's been on this podcast, and his lovely wife, Melinda, were um, stood up for us, and we gave our family two weeks to get there. Well, I didn't really value the important, the long-term importance of photography from this, and I asked a, a, a friend who worked for me at the Daily Iowan to shoot the pictures. Now, his pictures are, are perfectly adequate, but he wasn't a wedding photographer. And I think that you, if, you, if you combine wedding photographer and photojournalist, you're going to get um, nowadays that kind of style that you want. I don't have those kinds of pictures. Um, we ended up having a reception months later after we moved here. And, and, um, we had a big reception, invited everybody and we hired an actual wedding photographer to shoot the reception. Uh, and, but the, our pictures are what pictures, wedding pictures look like in 1989. They're people with a cake. It's a group shot. It's a, this, it's a, that it doesn't cover it as an event. And I think the advent of digital photography has allowed more freedom for, a photographer to cover a wedding because you're not worried about rolls of film. The, I mean, we, we paid by the roll of film. Like, Oh, if you put one more roll of film in your camera, the bill goes to blank. And so, um, that digital photography and the high end camera to shoot without strobe to, to make a more artistic picture. Um, I just think that the evolution of wedding photography is, it's so much more interesting to look at. So you chose a 24 exposure roll instead of 36. Right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Or a 12 exposure of, <laughs> of Fuji 400. Um, I mean, I don't know. I, I, you, but it's that kind of the, the market saturation, I guess, was my point, was that yeah. I think we're in this market, we're at a, at a, at a market saturation point. Um, Chicago with all those millions of people, you kind even though you've you put what all those people into the market, some of them continued with photography, some of them didn't. Some of them had such a great reputation that it didn't really matter. I mean, John White out of work, but he's John White, Pulitzer Prize winner, one of my great heroes. You, he's not, you know, he went through a death in the family through this this horrible time in his life, but he's still John White, and his reputation I, precedes. I him. think you know. A number of other photographers too also were already doing freelance anyways on the side as well, you know. But some weren't. But I was worried right away though too, something like, well, I've already got a bunch of clients, but now, you know, you got twenty-seven other people looking for the same work. You know, is that going to hurt some of the clientele I'd already been doing stuff for? And it really didn't because I mean, you know, you know, people get something they like, they stick with them. And then, you know, if, if you're not available that day, you know, they ask you for a recommendation of somebody. Yeah. Um, but I was going to say about this market, the difference, it's a little bit different with um, Todd and Paul. You know, they didn't lose their job here. I mean, they left on their own. Right, exactly. And it wasn't like they were leaving to get out of photojournalism and get out of newspapers. Um, uh, you know, like Paul, you know, he just had some... His life, he had a life, he Paul just, had a life just change. just had a child. Yeah. And, mm. you know, going to be probably do some stay at home dad stuff. Yep. And, you know, so I so I, if original, your original question is, you know, it, it's, it's, you know, it's hard for me to use them as an example, because, again, they're a totally different perspective than, you know, they didn't just lose their job or whatever. Right. Um, they had other things that, you know, they're making what well, they you know was probably the best determination for their career path, given their circumstances that they're in. Um, but I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm sure Paul's been doing great. I mean, for everything that I've been able to see during that time, um, you know, someone in, the, in this kind of a market size market here, there's not going to be a lot of editorial work, you know. <laughs> no. Um, and the P and maybe except for my dear during political season. Right. But uh, 
So yeah, I mean, I imagine he's mostly doing um, corporate stuff. Yeah. And even then, there's not a lot of maybe corporations here that need work done, but you know what? There's probably also not a lot of photographers who are doing that kind of freelancing. Well, and can handle the, the workload and the style that they need or yeah. have the equipment to pull it off. Him, so, and, him and Greg Bull, maybe, right? And that's about yeah, it. So. Well, yeah. So you, you pull your, yourself up by your bootstraps, you, 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 you make the best of a bad situation, and you go off to Wisconsin. Yes. So the challenge of going from daily newspapering to freelancing in a, in a basically in a news situation, mostly news situations editorially to being a, uh, an arm of a university for, um, essentially, uh, to making pictures for the university mind shift to approach it the same way. How, how does that work? Um, it was not any different. Um, I approach it the same way I've always approached my career. Um, and it's partly because I'm in charge, you know, and so I can, you know, they fully trust me to take this position the way I feel it needs to go. Um, but also, and this is maybe key to the, to the freelancing question, um, is they want, they wanted to have a photojournalist fill this role. Um, no, so kudos to them. So to, if I could backtrack real quick to the freelancing question, you know, like talking about like this market or whatever, it's like, hey, look at that. People with their weddings now, they want a full journalist shooting their weddings. And it's carrying over to every other industry, you know. Um, you know, the universities, corporate clients, weddings, you know, they all want real authentic imagery. And that's what you're going to get it from is from a photojournalist who's trained with storytelling ability um, and who knows how to create uh, imagery that makes you feel something. And that's really what they're looking for for this position that I'm in. Um, and I, I can let me go back and say my positions <laughs> at the time, it was new. Um, so I'm the first person to hold this position at this campus. Um, they had had previous campus photographers, but I would classify it more as a service role. So where anything you're doing, you're, you're doing anything anybody on campus could even want done. So you're doing a lot of the more bullshit stuff, like right. group shots, what, mm. or just you know, photographing student portfolios. Pretty much anything anybody wanted, they could do. And it's like, what company anywhere has a photographer for their service to to, to what anybody wants in the company, you, you'll do for them. I mean, I think that's ridiculous. I mean, there was a point, I think, when photo services roles were kind of a needed thing. I mean, even at Iowa when we were yeah. there, they had uh, oh, university Pete. photo services, but that was different than they, they had also photographers over in communications and marketing. And yeah, and then there, I worked for the Office of Public Information, OPI. Yep. So we had our own separate office and processors and... And, and look photographers, and we, you know, in the last decade, they've got rid of the universe, uh, the UI Photo Services office. Um, so, you know, I can't say there hasn't been photographers of this campus before, but really, they've been really adamant about pretty much saying it's a new position, because actually, the previous photographers they've, they've been there have worked actually over in an arm of IT, kind of. Really. Um, so, like, there's, there's, you know. A learning and information technology department, and within there is different kind of IT type of departments. There's IT staff in there, but there's also a department that helps with like classroom technology. Um, there's a you know the TV studio and you know television production guy works in that unit because he does a lot of production of stuff that's going to be utilized as teaching aids for people's classrooms and stuff. So. All those things were kind of lumped over in, the, in kind of a more technology area, um, and um, but a few years ago, uh, actually, I, I think even university marketing wasn't even a fully depart full department. It's probably only been there, you know, last five six years. Before that, all different units across campus had their own marketing staff and arms and stuff. And they finally decided to create a, uh, a full integrated marketing department. Um, 
you know, bringing a marketing director, graphic designers, whatever else. Um, they had a consultants tell them, you know, you need to hire a photographer. And um, so they've definitely created this position to service the university marketing needs and university communications needs. And they wanted only to do things, um, service uh, duties that are specifically related to strategic marketing projects or university communications news needs. And so I get to say no to a lot of stuff. Oh, really? That was my would, next question. That would, have been no, that would have been done by previous campus photographers. Um, do, you ever, do you ever freelance stuff out that you don't have time for? Or I don't imagine, is there a big freelance market in, the, in, the, in that area? Um, no. I mean, I'd like to because, I mean, <laughs> it's a lot of work all by myself. Well, yeah, that was uh, the next thing is what is your what is your day like? How many I mean, do you I mean, is it a 24 seven job where you're on call to do whatever it is that needs to be done or how does that work? Um, I'm salaried. That's always nice. Which is nice. I, and if, if I can explain salary to people, it's when they need you, when they want you, and you show up because that's the way my job works. Because we're paying you a set right. amount a year, right. and that says we can. <laughs> um, you know, generally salary, <laughs> if you break it down to like an hourly wage, is generally a better wage than what a person would make hourly. But the downside is if you work more than your 40 hours, you're not getting paid overtime. True. And when you come from a life when your previous career has always been hourly. Yep. You know. <laughs> it's, 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 you have pros and cons with it. Yeah. It's, that's, you know, that's a little getting used to because if you are working, you know, some extra hours or days or nights or weekends, you know, you, you're still thinking like, oh, yeah, you know, I'm going to, I'll get compensated for this, but then you don't. No, and that's, and that's, you know, the, uh, you know, in, in mine, you know. But honestly, I, I, it's, it really hasn't been too much of a problem. Well, um, that's good. It's, you know, there's going to be, you know, an occasional night or weekend thing, but really not that much. Now you were very, you, you've always been a very, very, very good sports photographer. Um, won a lot of Chicago awards for your sports photography. I mean, I mean look Brett Roseman up on, on Google if you're listening. Brett is is a superior sports photographer. Um, how much sports do you get to shoot? None. Oh, <laughs> uh, I, my heart just shattered know, into a thousand I, pieces. I was like, okay, he's going to go here. He's going to make me cry. No. <laughs> um, I mean... This is the part where Barbara Walters asks you to get me ask you a question just to make you cry. This is like, yeah, the moment from Jerry Maguire. Like, I know what you're getting at. You're not going to do it. Well, we can insert, insert the sound effect of you weeping in the background. <laughs> um, pretty much I do maybe the homecoming game, football game, because that's I'm covering all the homecoming stuff for our needs. But, uh, I mean, I probably could shoot more sports. But uh, I don't because I do value my time away from work, too. Right. Um, Drinking that stout beer that we discussed. There you go. Did we discuss that in the opening or off mic? I don't remember. <laughs> it's, not, it's in there somewhere. It's I in think. there somewhere. What they do for athletic stuff is, well, oddly enough, the sports information director is a former photojournalist. Awesome. Um, from the local Dunn County News, small town newspaper. Um, but, I mean, that was probably 20, 25 years ago because he's been – SID for a long time. So Lane Pitt, he does a lot of his own photography, but then he's also got a, a, a couple of student staff that shoot as well for them. Um, so that really does help me not to have to do sports. Okay. But I, it's, it's certainly uh, something that troubles me because, yeah, that's kind of – that's who I was. I mean, I my whole career, I'd always worked nights and – that's why you're so pale, right? <laughs> See, Brian. Brian's yeah, well, very Brian's very pale because he likes no. to work at night. He's on the day shift no. currently, which no. is but he he's starting. It's still it's winter, the, so the sunny it's just snowed. I don't want to go outside that much just to lay out in the snow. <laughs> the, the, the sunny season in far far north Wisconsin is very short. 
Yeah. Oh, sure. <laughs> That's right. You are in. Have you seen any any wild without up in the up in the hinterlands of Wisconsin? Have you seen any unusual animals? So, by the way, I'm technically way up north. Um, <laughs> probably four uh, five hours from the Quad Cities. So, can you see I Canada think... from your porch? <laughs> Can you see Russia, Russia from your porch? Russia. <laughs> uh, no. <Okay. laughs> but, Damn it. So I live, in, I live in Eau Claire, which is one of the bigger cities close to where I work. There's also University of Wisconsin, Eau Claire, in Eau Claire. Uh, I work at UW-Stout, which is in Menominee. That's another 30 miles west of me on 94. Is it Menominee Falls? No, nope, that's five, Menominee. There's Menominee Falls, and that's spelled different. There's Menominee. Menomina? Menomina. Menomina is M-O-N-O-N-E-E, Falls. That's by Milwaukee. Menominee, M-O-N-O-M-O-N-I-E, is where I'm at. Okay. That's so where I work. And that's pretty much, um, we're in the Twin Cities region, uh, about 60 miles west of Minneapolis. Okay. So East. I'm sorry, east. Because now that you're kind of on the subject with the pronunciation. There are bears up there. There are. Have you seen a bear? I have not, but people have told me about it, and I'm like, I think I saw a bear trap, and I'm like, why do they sell bear traps? <laughs> and I'm like, there's bears up there. I'm like, what? Uh-oh. <laughs> Wait a minute. Rethink career choice. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. So the, I have a lot of relatives that live in Wisconsin, and they love to mock my pronunciation of Wisconsin towns. <clears throat> and so did you run into a problem when you arrived at your new job at mispronouncing the way the locals and I'm putting air quotes around my microphone, uh, pronounce local, local towns. Cause there's a bazillion little towns that are all named after native American terms, native and, American terms and German. Yeah. Like, or like Norwegian. Yeah. yeah. So the one for me is I always call it new Berlin because it's is, new and the is? word Berlin. Isn't that it? No, it's <laughs> new. I don't even. I can't even pronounce it correctly. It's New Berlin or something. It's I don't like know. all one word, like New Berlin. Yeah, yeah, that's. And my nephew always mocks me. He's like, "What did you say? What did you say?" And I'm like, "Well, I, I pronounce it the way it's written on the on the street sign there, Jack." But um, I but, live in Eau Claire, and that's spelled E A U and then space Claire. C-L-A-I-R-E. And you, I, I assume oh you figured out how to pronounce that before you showed up for your I interview? Always, I always thought it was like All Claire or something like that. And it's actually just O Claire. Like they, Claire. There's a local store that sells buttons and it says O, like O-H. Yeah. And then a Claire, like a woman's name, to the, tell you how to pronounce it. But I remember like when I first moved up there, Dan Vidadich was up doing some work in the region and he stopped to see me and stay with me or whatever. And, and he kept saying like, so what's this called? Euclair? And <laughs> I'm like, no. Did you buy him a button? <laughs> we didn't have time. Oh, we didn't have time. Too busy drinking. <laughs> no. <laughs> That's stout. Well, that was before my transformation, yes. <laughs> so um, it, we were, we were, you were an in here, intern here twice, and, and um, it's intern season. I'm culling intern portfolios as we speak. And... Uh, I've talked to some people and had some people send me some stuff about uh, interning. Uh, but while I've got you on the mic, um, talk to me a little bit about the value of interning and what your experience was like here. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, internships are in, invaluable. You, yeah, I, you have to at least do one or a couple have one under your belt before you even find that first full-time position in, in this industry. Um, you know, nobody's going to want to hire someone who hasn't proven themselves and they, and they know that they can do the job. Um, I'd say also invaluable is even before the internship, like these years of mine experience at Iowa, working for the Daily Iowan. And... You not know. everybody's ex not every the one thing I've noticed that not every college newspaper is as good as the Daily Iowan right. and the Iowa State paper. Right. Absolutely. I mean that there there's it's they're, shocking. They're, it's shocking how bad some college newspapers are. Right. So I mean, honestly, I mean that's one of the big reasons I chose Iowa. 
Um, I would agree. I did the same thing. And again, I mean, there's a lot of, you know, nowadays it's totally different. There's many other students who are maybe looking to study journalism and mass communication, even, you know, probably not people interested in working at, at a newspaper. But for those people that are, you know, that at least maybe want to do photojournalism, you know, that's one of the big things. It's like, you always told people, like, you know, when you're looking to hire me for the internships, like, you had no question about whether I was capable or not because you knew of my, I was coming from the Daily Iowan. And, um, that's true. You can't put a price on that experience. And that's why I used to always say, I had a lot of success when I was in school there. And there was, a, you know, an article written about me in the alumni magazine or whatever. And it's like, that's one of my quotes. It's like, you can't put a price on the experience I'm getting there. But then again, you also can't put a price on the experience you do after that by doing an internship. Um, and you really got to start doing them early. Um, you know, these may do one be if you do a, f a first one, do it between your junior and senior year. So that's your last summer, go do an internship, and then come back for your final year. Um, but yeah, I mean, you really got to kind of have your, your roadmap to success kind of mapped out in your head in advance. And, you know, I could have chosen, you know, going anywhere else in the country. And, you know, I probably would have looked elsewhere too. You know, but it's like it just ended up that, hey, you know, a school in my home state is what's going to be one of the best places for me to get the education because I'm going to be working full-time as a full-time student in a paid position at a, you know, student paper that's 20,000 circulation <laughs> and a daily newspaper that competes with two other dailies in the area. I, I thought that, that, that the thing about the, the Iowa State paper and the, and the daily Iowan, because they are up against – the Des Moines Register and the Cedar Rapids Gazette and the Iowa C City paper, which is essentially an arm of the Des Moines Register now, um, and um, papers Burlington and and all those other papers that are especially you go to a football game, and you're you're on the sideline shooting against all. I mean this, at least in my day, this in your day because it was you know fairly similar in in time span as far as technology and whatnot. That you were you were measuring yourself against some of the best shooters in the country that were working at 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 papers in Iowa, and and some of the I mean if you look at the the roster of people who've come out of the Daily Iowan and have gone on to success, um, it's it's really quite amazing. Now, um, I think that the experience that 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 Brian had at the Iowa State paper and you and I had at the Daily Iowan is real-world experience and not theoretical experience. And I think the, the problem with theoretical, I have found, is that I get portfolios that are based in the theoretical and that I get, I get intern interviews that are, are overly academic and that they, they're like, this is the way life should be in photojournalism. This is the, the ideal. And now, great, we could all strive for the ideal. These lab but, settings. Right. But, we're, but, but this is, this, when you're dealing with lab settings, it's, it's completely different. Once you, you, you introduce the air of the real world into it, all the, the calculations change. And so I think the interns that have come here who have been most successful are photographers that, A, can adjust on the fly, and don't think that the world uh, is uh, a cut and dried, black and white. This is what you're supposed to do. This is what you're not supposed to do. Now, granted, there are some rules to the job that you, these are things you should and shouldn't do. Um, but you have to be able to adjust on the fly. And I think that what makes photojournalists good wedding photographers or good corporate photographers or good photographers in general is their ability to adjust on the fly and go left or right when they have to. And so... Uh, that's why that real world experience of having to go cover an Iowa wrestling meet or an Iowa state wrestling meet or whatever. And the way the things that when things go sideways, you have to be able to adjust. You're covering a campaign, uh, a campaign stop. You have to be able to go left or right with a candidate. You can't, your brain can't be stuck in, in drive. Sometimes you got to drop into first gear and, and motor through. And I would so, say most of the large state schools, you know, have very similar, you know, large student newspapers like that. But that's the thing. Doing it, when you're doing it there, 
you're doing the exact same thing that you'd be doing in the real world. Yep. And I mean, even there, it is the real world because you are, you know, these. You got to make deadline. Yeah. I think, though, too, with internships, you going going back to the lab setting, um, at least with my experience, um, I had a mentor at Iowa State. And so I learned everything through his eyes. But then when you get your internship, you're learning from other people. You're learning that the world isn't square. It's actually round. And then there's a lot more to the world's still the world, but it's a lot. There's more dimensions to it. Yeah. And then you learn to think differently. You're not thinking in one certain way. You're thinking in multiple different ways. So when you're at the Hillary campaign stop or the Trump campaign stop, you're thinking you, while you're at college, you might think one way, but then when, after your internship and learning more, you think in all these dynamic ways, you might get tons of better shots. Yeah. I mean, that's pretty, pretty succinct, succinct. As far as like promoting this internship here at the dispatch in Argus, it's, you know, this is a place that has a really strong history of great photojournalists working here of doing photos in the right way. And, you know, I look at what you guys are doing now with your multimedia work. I mean, you're almost kind of pioneering it for small to medium-sized newspapers because I don't see anybody doing the amount of multimedia and video assignments that you guys are, at least of, of quality pieces, you know, that's, that's part of my problem with, you know, Chicago is, well, at least with the Sun-Times, at least, you were just producing video for the sake of producing video, and it wasn't good stuff. And I get it. That's going to, you know, you know, majority of people consuming video and stuff online don't care about quality, they just, you know, but it's important in this industry. And so it's, it's, it's great. I mean, this is a great place for young photojournalists to want to get an internship or a job because you guys are doing it right. And, you know, it's, it's, it's awesome. I mean, I wish I worked here when this type of technology was being utilized. And I mean, I was envious that here's a small paper in the Quad Cities doing stuff the right way. And we're not doing that way in Chicago. It's like, what's going on here? Well, I appreciate that. That means a, a hell of a lot but, to I mean, me. look who's been here. I mean, John Lewinstein, Danny Wilcox Fraser. Um, those ones might not have been interns, but they were staffers here. Right. You look at the staffers that have come through here, you look at interns. I mean, Marianne Mather, myself, Dan Vidadich, let's go, John Kim, let's, this goes on. And yeah, he's got a Pulitzer Prize. These people the have all moved on to other places, too, and that's a good way to network, you know, because look who's been before you, and, you know, they can help you get to your next step as well. Yeah, it really. That's why I always list the, the the list of ex interns on the on the website because you look at that 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 list of people. They've all, they're almost all still in the business in some way, shape, or form, and they've all uh, they're all achieved a a certain level of success to the path that they've taken. Um, I mean, it's just it's phenomenal for me to think that that I can call these people up as a resource and that they that that their core their base started here and they built up from that and I can call them as a resource Absolutely. to help a kid uh oh I really want to go to Chicago what advice do I need I got four or five people I can go all right well these are numbers these are email addresses we'll contact those people we'll we'll talk to those people they will get you going in the right direction because um I mean that's invaluable. I mean going into stuff blindly is 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 scary as shit. I so mean, look at us. We've probably known each other eighteen years, maybe. Yeah. Uh, we stay in touch quite a bit. Yep. And it's I mean I mess with my best friends here. I mean, you know you included. Yep. Even though you weren't in the same age group as me, but right. But I still consider you to be one of I, my best friends. I appreciate but, that. Good example, Dan Vidadich. He interned the summer before me, and then when I did my first internship here. He just got hired on full time. Yeah, and so we're you know we're close in age. Um, we both kind of just experienced, or I just I'm just starting just starting to experience what he did experience already, and you know we're we were both very competitive, and you know when you're that young age you are competitive, and and I like to joke, and Dan always like that's not the case, but it, you know I felt like because we were both competitive, you know at first we didn't really get along because you know I didn't want this guy to like show me up and he didn't want me to show him up but 
in no time, we became best friends, you know, because we fed off each other, and we helped each other. And I've stayed in touch with him the whole time, too, it's just like you. And it's, it's you know, you make a good network of people, and that's going to be valuable resources for yourself or for them throughout your career. Well, thank you. That's yeah. uh, You answered the question perfectly. Yeah. And we got at least a couple Dan Vidadich references in, which we haven't I had for a while. That, yeah. We <laughs> really need to get Dan Vidadich. He's this yeah. mystery guy to our, the podcast. We keep talking about Dan, but Dan is this mystery that we haven't, we actually haven't fully realized on the podcast. He hasn't appeared yet. Whenever he comes into town, though, we haven't, we've, uh, we always go to the same Mexican place in town, Mexican restaurant in town. And uh, I always have him order for me because my Spanish stinks. And he, 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 even though he doesn't live here anymore, he still knows the best things to order at a restaurant that's two blocks from this office that I only go to with him. <laughs> but anyway. I, w- I would say maybe just a few more things about the internship here and just in general. Is I always remember, I think maybe even on one of the podcasts when you first started, Brian, um, wait, did you intern here? Or? No. I interned in uh, it, Dubuque. You were okay. both interned okay. in Dubuque. I interned in Dubuque, by the way. You worked for Hirsch, didn't I'll, you? I'll give my background in a second here. Um, or maybe it was on a previous podcast. Well, it might have been. Uh... <laughs> we, we'll cut the Meg. pause out. It might be yes. Meg. Meg. The, the Meg. So Meg was an intern here, and then you had yeah. her on. I think in previous podcasts, I'm sure you've had her talk about her experience as an intern here. And and just even like preparing to eventually someday do a podcast myself with you and you know discussing the topic of internships. I've always wanted to make sure I would said that um, my experience here, like my first day, right? You're just, you know, my first day was just supposed to be doing paperwork for HR, filling that stuff out, you know, maybe follow one of the photographers for the day or whatever, but I was pretty much going to be in the office all day, hanging with Terry, the picture editor, um, and doing paperwork. And by the end of my first day, it ended with, I think a house fire, two deadly car wrecks, um, some high school softball playoffs, and a minor league baseball game. And (laughs) (laughs) so I I went in my first day thinking, like, all I'm going to do is paperwork and stuff, and it ended up being the whole gauntlet of photo journalism all in one day. And I remember, like, coming the next day or even that – it must have been the next day. And (laughs) Todd was like – well, we know you can do the job. He's like, I, <laughs> I, I think you were really impressed. I was able to come in, not expect to do anything, and then handle all that stuff yep. in one day. Good God. But, uh, but yeah, my, my experience was I did an intern, my first internship, ter- internship here at the dispatch in Argus, summer 2000, so summer before my s- senior year, and then graduated 2001. I went in internship in Dubuque, Iowa, and yes, worked for Mark Hirsch. Uh, we have to, we're contractually obligated to say the great Mark Hirsch. The great Mark Hirsch of that tree fame. That's right. <laughs> and uh, then came back here for stint number two in spring of yeah. January of 2002, and then followed that up. Summer 2002 in Peoria, Illinois, at the Peoria Journal Star, which a great place as well. I would say Peoria, Dispatch Argus are both doing some of the best work in the Midwest, if not the country. Um, but Peoria, all the internships I, I sought out, or the, all the ones I, that I actually got and did, were some of the best ones in the country. And I mean, I made a point is, hey, how, do I, how am I going to get to where I want to get to? If my, with my career, you know, and that's like seek out some of the best internships. I mean, I applied for hundreds of internships every year, and you're going to get rejected by most of them. And I was very fortunate that some of the best ones I wanted to seek out end up coming through, but I mean, there's a ton of other good ones too that didn't come through, but uh, it's like I was ready to go anywhere in the country. It just happened to be that these great opportunities I had happened to be close to home in the Midwest. Yep. But uh, and then we went from Peoria, which by the way that used to be owned by Copley yeah. Press. They're they're owned by Gatehouse now. Yes, and I mean the, that the, alone was one of the reasons that made that such a great place to intern was um, the history that Copley had of really good photo papers, 
And then uh, after that, I, I was kind of slowly working my way towards Chicago. I mean, I would have gone anywhere, but I did. I'd, I'd set a goal for myself to, like, be working in Chicago or a major market, major metro by age 25. And that's, that's a pretty ambitious, I think, goal. But, uh, I mean, you know, if you don't set kind of goals for yourself, you know, you're, you're not going to get to where you want to get. And um, I, I would have ended anywhere, but I was really glad it happened to be Chicago because that's really where I wanted to go. And so kind of, you know, working toward Peoria, I thought, okay, that's going to get me probably some inroads with the Chicago market because Peoria also, or Chicago suburbs had a bunch of copying papers as well. And um, ended up then t leaving Peoria and taking a job at the Times from Northwest Indiana, which is just over the Illinois border, and they covered South Side and South Suburbs as well, but then also like a nine-county region <laughs> in Indiana. Oh, boy. What um, was your mileage like? <laughs> crazy. Well. <laughs> Never mind. Go ahead. 5,000 miles. I mean, <laughs> and they're owned by the Enterprises, who owns the paper across the river here, quite a few times. Um, but they had, they had four offices. They had one in Lake County, which is on the Illinois-Indiana border, Porter County, which is where Valparaiso's at, and I worked in the Porter County office. But uh, that was, you know, a good way for me. That was really my chance to break into the Chicago market was to go work for a Chicago newspaper like that. Um, and then I was there just maybe six months and then flipped back over to the Illinois side of the river. Jumped over to the Daily Southtown, which was then, was the Daily Southtown absorbed by the, who owned the Sun-Times? Were they one times actually separate or were they, how did that work? Were they always part of the Sun-Times network? Uh, the whole time I was there, yes. Okay. Um, they might have been acquired by Sun-Times in like 97 maybe. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. Well, so the so I, I think that what I gather from what you've talked about and the advice that you've given some young photographers that might be listening is that, that sit down and figure out where you want to be and take steps that to get there. And 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 I that sounds so obvious. Surround yourself with good people. Right. You know, build your network. You know, don't be afraid to ask for help. Yeah, and I, I find that interesting in, in dealing with portfolios that come in. Well, first of all, some of the portfolios I I can I can see where the potential is to shoot the way we need them to shoot. I've done this long enough to just look at the way the photos are put together and edited and the way they're shot that I'm like, okay, this person's somebody we can work with and help get better. And then there's some people that you can look at and go, you're not going to, you, you might not take direction. Um, or your shooting style doesn't necessarily fit with newspapering um, or the kind of newspapering that we're doing. But uh, anyway, and the culling of the intern portfolios, but the, 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 the thing that I am always amazed about when you call somebody up for an interview and they ask you where you are, they don't know what town they applied to. Hmm. I, I am simply amazed that someone could apply for an internship at this newspaper or any other newspaper and not make a mental note as to what city and where it is located because blindly applying for something is, I mean, if you just want any experience, you know, there's no, I guess there's nothing wrong with that. But I think that you have to go and apply and know where you're applying. Sit down when you, after you send your application and, oh, I want, I want to apply here. I wrote my cover letter and I want to apply here. And it's probably the same cover letter that you've used for everybody. You've just made my name, put my name at the top. Um, How many times and, have you had somebody's application come in? And it's sent to you, but it's not your name on it because they forgot to change the name on their cover. Uh, a couple, couple, yeah. multiple times. I've also when Terry, when one. Terry was the person that we sent them, that people sent them to, um, and I was the one that was going through them. It was always it, there was like Mrs. Herbig. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> Ms. Herbig is because his name is Terry. Well, that was always it's oh, like boy. welcome and to and the, his wife's well, HR person. Right. Yeah. Like welcome to the out pile. Um, yeah. but I mean, anyway, I, I get it. I mean, yeah, I mean, you have even to, still, you have to I apply to tons of jobs, even still like, and it's like, there's nothing wrong with applying to tons of stuff at the same time, but you got to make sure you're 
Yeah, you got you have some kind of clue as to where you're applying. So yeah. if you're going to apply Rolodex. for the, the the dispatch Argus, you're like, okay, I'm ref- I'm familiar with the work being done there, so that the in the event, or even if I call, I send you an email and say I'd like to talk to you on Tuesday. Between the time you get the email and Tuesday, at least at that point, you should hit the go to the website and look and say, "This is the work that you've done." I've seen these photo galleries. We're, it's not in today's world. It's not hard to figure out what a newspaper is up to by looking at their website. Right. I mean, I've looked at jobs that that um, you know jobs outside of this market to kind of give it an idea of how we should arrange our jobs. And I look at people's website. I'm like, I can't tell if the photographers at this newspaper are any good from the, from the galleries they put up because they put up galleries to sell reprints as opposed to sell up, set up galleries to showcase their best work. And I, and I, I, you know, I get it. It's hard. I mean, to, you know, get a job, you know, it's competitive and you know, you got to apply to a lot of places, but honestly, you know, you really should only apply to places that you know about and that, because if you don't know anything about them, it's probably a place you don't really want to work anyways. And it's like, yeah. Yeah. By doing some research, find out who you actually are applying to. Yep. Maybe you might in that process find out, I don't want to work for them. But, you know, better to know that in advance instead of just applying for anywhere. Um, but, yeah. And yeah. I, w- I don't. Wait a minute. Oh, you're in the Midwest? I live in California. Oh, I don't want to move there. Yeah. I mean, I used to apply like, to hundreds of internships every semester. There used to be hundreds of internships. They're right. You're and right. there are not hundreds of internships yeah. anymore. But they, these, they were all ones that I researched, I knew about. Yep. I applied I, to the right person. And it's like, and there are places that actually I thought I could see myself, yeah, I could work there. And if there wasn't a place I think I could See myself working? I won't apply because what's the point? So so you, I, I think it's me mad. <laughs> well, probably you because it doesn't. I don't. I'm not. I'm not a hiring editor. But if I was, the only thing that would make me mad is uh, you recently posted uh, something on probably Facebook, right? And for calling for internships or whatever, calling for interns right. applications. And there's one person that commented on there. First thing he all he said was, "What's it? Does it pay? Or what's it pay?" I didn't respond. You'll I know. Notice that. I know you didn't. I, I, knew I you, let I, you respond. I didn't I, respond. You responded. <laughs> I did not. No, I, but I didn't. I didn't address his question. Right. And I think you know that I wouldn't address that question because right. I think you know that would piss me off too. Right. But it's like, well, the great story about <laughs> pay that is the one that always I always tell is that we had a kid. Years ago, that it is. It does. Yours does pay. We do pay, but, but you're not going to get rich doing it. It's an right. experience. It is. You said the words. It's invaluable. The but experience you, you get here is worth more. Yes. You're not going to pay off your college loans, and you you're making enough to pay your rent and your beer money and to eat. Yep. And maybe if you're really frugal and find a really cheap place to live, then you're gonna then you'll be all right. I'm but sorry to that kid, but you know, yeah, you know that's going to hurt you everywhere you apply. If that's the first thing you care about is. Do you pay or don't pay? Yeah, if you go I, into an internship looking for money and not experience, your priorities are skewed. That's right. And I had a kid years ago who I loved his portfolio. It was a good interview. We were prepared to hire him. And when I was talking about it in the middle of about to offer him the internship, he told me that he was no longer interested in the internship because he was going to cut lawns because he could make more money cutting lawns. I had a friend. And I really should have written his name down and kept an idea. Of course, I didn't know the internet was going to come along and, and I could track people much easier. But the idea of like, where did he go after the summer of cutting lawns? Now, I don't understand. I understand he may have had some financial problems that he needed to address. And I don't mean to be insensitive to those. But if you're seriously interested in in being a photojournalist, making some extra money cutting lawns is not going to balance out the thing towards your career, your career path. I had a friend who, um, at the Iowa state daily, he interned at ESPN and I don't remember if it was paid, but if it was paid, it was very little. And he's working out in California. Like that's not a cheap place to live. And if I remember right, he worked at some country club or something like that to pay his bills. So you'd work at ESPN, come back, work at the country club, drive multiple hours. Cause it's like LA and lo and behold, now his hard work pays off and he works at ESPN yeah. now. That's so. kind of the other thing to kind of go back to an earlier conversation about, you know, working at student newspapers, getting experience with those, whether it be Iowa State Daily, Daily Iowa, any large state universities 
student publications or even the television stations, whatever, is, you know, some of those large, prominent media companies pull primarily from those type of programs. And they pull one person they like from there, they know there's more, and they keep coming back. I mean, yep. Wayne Dre's senior writer for ESPN, came from, worked at Iowa when I was there. I mean, and, you know, we had tons of people, AP, Washington Post, the New York Times, USA Today. That's how I got, you know, to be an apprentice candidate with them. And, you know, they keep going back and pulling from the same crop because they know those students are prepared. So uh, that's Yeah, it. no, it, it, uh, it, you're absolutely 100% correct. And that's why I wanted to get you on the podcast today when you were in town. Yeah. And instead of just hanging out and drinking coffee. I'm, uh, I'm on spring break. <laughs> and, you, and, and, you, and you paid for your coffee before I got there. So I, I was felt, just a few minutes early. I felt, I felt like I should have bought your coffee. So I bought Brian tea. So yeah. I felt like I needed to spend money. Next, but, you, next time. I'm, I'm, did, in, I'm in town enough that I could. Uh, that I'll take you take me up on free coffee. When you're off the pain meds, we'll get a beer. Oh, my How God. <laughs> you know, I'll tell you, every, I, I, the, if, I, the greatest piece of advice I can give any photographer is take care of your back because and lift correctly because I we were talking in last week's podcast about how I switched my light kit to this Pelican case and the Pelican case is heavier than the low pro that I used to carry it in and even the, the low pro went on my back and and even though the Pelican case is a wheeled case I decided I wasn't going to go to the elevator at the paper, which is on the other side of the building from the photo department. I decided I wanted to go home at five o'clock and I was going to carry my Pelican case down the stairs and I didn't lift it correctly. And I uh, tweaked my sciatic nerve and I spent a weekend of, of, I, it didn't help that I replaced the, the kitchen disposal, uh, while laying on my back, that didn't help my back at all either. But, uh, but I tell you, take care of your back, lift correctly, take care of your back, wear, wear your equipment. Don't let it wear you. Um, I, mean, I, I mean, it just, I can address some of the same changes based on my career change, you know, is, uh, um, I'm, you know, I'm trying to find a balance in my life first time ever, because now I got a job with the most part with normal hours uh, my stress level <laughs> is way lower. I live away from where I work. So when I leave work now, I really leave work. I live in a different town. Um, but, like, I used to work shitty hours, surrounded by undesirable conditions, the gun violence in Chicago. And, you know, now I don't have that. And I'm trying to find the balance in my life for the first time ever and focus on myself. And I just lost 70 pounds. Yeah. And you look like, fabulous. It's like I couldn't do that Dang. if I still was living the old life in the old, you know. And I'm not trying to say, you know, you know, you shouldn't get out of daily news media because mm -hmm. I miss it immensely. And I always will. And I may go back, you know. But it, it might be hard to go back once I've already left because I just, I just had a couple of interviews a few weeks ago at CNN for a picture editing role. And I'm thinking, like, it might be hard now that I'm not coming from daily media anymore. But, um, but. Again, it's, yeah, you got to take care of yourself. And I didn't take care of myself for 10 years in Chicago, you know. It was a diet of <laughs> Chicago hot dogs, Italian beef sandwiches in my car all night long. Having, been, having and, grown up in Chicago, if I moved back to Chicago right now, I'd be the fattest and, man on the and planet. And now that, you know, I, everything's in the right place for me to, to make the changes and to, you know, better myself which I realized I could not have done if I was still in Chicago. And um, I, I makes me want to say, you know, I wish I could have found the balance 10 years ago. Yeah, I think it's, yeah, I think it's, uh, yeah. I, it's, it's a hard, it's funny because I went back and looked, uh, uh, an Iowa wrestler called me, or called me, sent me an email of some, he wanted a copy of a famous photo that I took um, uh, of an Iowa, Iowa State meet that ran big on the front page of the Daily Iowa in 1989. <laughs> so this is an old picture. And so I went in search in my archive to find the, the slide. We were shooting color slide film at the time. And I went down into my basement and opened the tub that all of these negatives and that stored by semester. And I was overwhelmed with how much I shot. I, I was just, I just sat there on the stool in my basement and was like, holy mother of blah, 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 blah. I, I was shooting 
at going to school and shooting nonstop. Now, that's great experience, and I don't recommend anybody turn assignments down because that's a bad idea. But you should find those moments that to, to manage both your personal and your professional life. And it might be the biggest challenge any photojournalist has right. that, to, to balance the, the personal and the professional. It was kind of funny. Like, this morning I was thinking about it. I'm like, I'm like well, it's spring break week for our university. Now, I'm, I mean, I'm a 12-month employee, you know, year-round, so, I mean... I don't, you know, get spring break week off, but, uh, you know, there ain't going to be a lot going on for me to do with the students on, now on campus. I'll probably, I'll probably go back tonight and probably work the next few days of the week, get caught and stuff. But, like, I was thinking about, like, spring break. Like, when we were on spring break in the past, we really weren't because we were going to cover NCAA wrestling championships, yep. um, NCAA basketball tournaments from yep. college. And while well, everybody else was going to South Padre or wherever. But, yeah, I, like, I've never been on spring break. The only time I ever took spring yeah. break, I went and covered Iowa spring, or um, Cubs spring training. I was, uh, and now to show how old I, I am, it. now my spring break is coming back to see my folks. <laughs> right. And being on the podcast. That's so not a beach. How, how romantic. Well, I get to see you guys. That's, <laughs> That's right. There so. you go. Well, Brett, thank you very much for being yeah. on the podcast. I appreciate that. It's been a uh, long time coming. I've been wanting yeah. to get this and uh, yeah, been wanting fr- to say test one, two, three on my mic. That's right. Exactly. <laughs> well, you know, it, it's a pretty special opening come to completely by accident by us. It was kind of a it, organic. I don't know how we came up with it. But anyway, I'm Todd Meisner. I'm Brian Ockenbach. I'm uh, Brett Roseman. And we've been talking to Brett Roseman and we appreciate his coming in and uh, we'll see you next time. Thanks, folks. The Talking Pictures Podcast is produced by Todd Meisner with help from Todd Welvert, Meg McLaughlin, Brian Achenbach, and Gary Cranbeck. The music was provided by Kevin McLeod at www.incomputech.com. To see some of the photos and videos discussed in our podcast, be sure to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and our blog at talkingpicturespodcast.blogspot.com. The Talking Pictures Podcast is a production of The Dispatch, The Rock Island Argus, and QCOnline.com, with a special thanks to Laura Frames, Randy Fisk, and Laura Anderson Shaw. Make sure you never miss a podcast by subscribing to The Talking Pictures Podcast on iTunes or SoundCloud.